0: Hey everybody, welcome back to the HUNA podcast. We're on episode 63, a number divisible by both 9 and 7.
1: Whoa, you didn't know so, that, did you?
0: Yeah, shout out to Math and Cheesecake. So, we are excited to be here with you on episode 63. Um, we've got the whole crew here. Micah, that's all three me. three of us. Christian.
1: What up?
0: And Garrett. They're Three's all a here. crowd. Uh, what? Three's a crowd. Three's company. Three's the magic um, number. So, we might throw in Garrett's beatboxing to start. <laughs> you all missed that. Uh, he's just giving us a little uh, a little presentation before we started. Um, but we're happy to be back with you here again two weeks in a row. We're now making it a pattern again. So, uh, looking forward to getting a conversation about Genesis. Um, but before we do that, we have to um, preview something that's really important that comes up in uh, two days. Um Today's Thursday, it's a wonderful day outside, uh, but we got a preview, it's coming up in two days. The most important Saturday of the year. That's right. Kentucky and in Georgia. Georgia. Uh, we've got number 11 versus number 1, going to, uh, is it Sanford Stadium, maybe? Might not be right, but um, um, to Georgia.
1: To Athens, I know it's
0: yeah, in Yeah, it's, it's in <laughs> Athens. Um, I think, I feel like that's right, but uh, I might look it up, I might not, but it's important. It's a big day. This is the first time in history, Garrett, two SEC East teams have been 6-0 playing each other. It's a, it's a big deal. Because in history, can, Georgia and Florida, are, they typically play each other like before week six. So wow. it's kind of one of those caveats of like two four-no know, yeah. SEC East teams have probably played each other quite a bit. But, right. Um, but two 6-0 uh, teams have not in the SEC East. So...
2: It's good stuff. And, and that's after about Saturday,
1: Georgia will be 6-1. Six six and, and one. So one. Yeah.
2: From an objective standpoint, not from a U.K. They win fan by a 14. standpoint. You Georgia. think Georgia does? Yeah.
0: From an objective, <laughs> the Vegas has a line at like 22, and I, I honestly just think from an objective standpoint, that's too much. Auburn lost by 24 last week, and I mean Kentucky's better than Auburn. So um, we'll see, though. We have to do it. We have a lot of energy injuries. They have a lot too. They have so. a lot, yeah. Their and depth is way deeper, deeper than yeah, ours, West so. Virginia is really good this year. Yeah, they played really good against uh, what was it, Texas Tech last week? <laughs> Baylor. Baylor. Yeah, yeah we, y'all, we I looked in the pitiful. first quarter.
2: It was like th- or first half, and it was like thirty to seven. What's like, like, West oh, Virginia's record? Uh, two and four now. I think okay. we st- we're we're just just awful. To think you lost to Oklahoma. I think by three. I would I would say we have. The worst quarterback in college football. <laughs> I don't. That's think pretty that's strong. Uh, there's no way. That's true. I mean, I don't <laughs> think the guy I mean, can throw up further than 40 yards.
0: Uh, that doesn't matter. I mean, he just said throw 20 yards five times and yeah, he got touchdowns. But so. uh, he doesn't throw actually. It 20 it's four yards times actually. Yeah. So, so well anyway. Uh, he doesn't have your, a cool name.
2: Yeah, do, doggy. yeah, doggy. Doggy. I don't, they, It's pronounced doge, but it look or er, yeah, d o. It's pronounced daggy, but it looks like doge. I and mean,
0: it's like d o e. G-E or something yeah, like that. It looks it. like it looks, Doge. I just call him Doggy. I call him Doge. Yeah, so there's your sports uh, segment here on the Hub podcast. Um, we haven't really ever really talked sports that much as far as, like, current current stuff. Um, and uh, we are halfway through the college football season, so we wanted to just – and because Kentucky's 6-0. If they weren't 6-0, we probably wouldn't have said anything. But um, Christian's representing the Wildcats basketball. And uh, we're excited to uh, get going with Genesis – um, Christian. Yes. How do you feel about Genesis so far? Man, I, we've taken a big I, chunk out of I, it. Hey, let me say this one and two. <clears throat> <laughs> I think out of like what, 52 chapters or whatever it is.
1: I think it's a great start. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, start, I'm, glad, I'm glad we started in Genesis. Yeah. I'm glad God chose that I mean, His word was going to start in Genesis.
0: I mean, it's pretty simple when it literally starts within the
1: beginning. Yeah. You know, Clears up, kind of answers lots of questions, yeah. leaves a lot of questions unanswered. Uh, that are not important, but yeah. it also answers a lot of questions. Uh, here, Here's what I'm glad we're getting into is is in chapter three, we're seeing the one of the most, probably actually the most pivotal moment in humankind mm-hmm. uh, being the fall of mankind. Mm-hmm. And kind of that brings us to where we are today. Scrape and, the old knee. Yeah. And scrape the old knee. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And now we have pain and suffering and people ask questions. Where does it come from? Why does this have to happen? Well, we people back.
0: Ha- Why do bad things happen to
1: good people? Exactly. Well, and we ain't good, but well, it
0: exactly. starts the <laughs> exactly.
2: It starts the story of humanity's re- relationship with God. You know, at this point, before this point, it was you know, perfect, and after this point, it's about God trying to get us back. And mm-hmm. and you know, everything from chapter four on in the Bible is about. God bringing humanity back to him mm. and so it's funny you look at the correlation between Genesis 1 through3 and the book of Revelation and and there, there's you, you can't read one without the other as a Christian you can't because Genesis 1 through3 is the story of us separating ourselves from God and revelation or really the gospel as a whole is the story of God bringing us back and recreating. Um, and 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 getting back to that relationship, and so there's a there there's a definite need for us to read Genesis, and there's a a lot of need for us to focus on Genesis three to see what happened, what caused the separation, but then to also supplant that with Genesis four, because I, I think a lot of times we read, well, humanity fell because we saw something shiny and ate it, and but then we we don't see well, what ended up happening because we separated ourselves from God. Is, did, did God just kick us, give us the boot because we were hungry? Um, but then we see in Genesis 4, no, there's more to it than that. Evil has entered our hearts to the extent that we go as far as murdering our own brothers. Mm. Um, so there's a lot murder taking place here.
1: Are you confessing something? I mean, oh, no. <laughs> <Ouch>. <laughs> I know. Ouch. see what you think of me now, Christian. I
0: mean, hey. You said I it. I Garrett in college. Um.
1: But Genesis 3 um, begins with a question. Hey. And the question Genesis 3 asks uh, is from a serpent. Uh, and he says to Eve, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden and uh here's what we know about the enemy that that the enemy loves to deceive Mm. uh, that that is the enemy's nature that that the enemy is going to deceive us and it's going to question and this is what happens in our lives is, is that the enemy and the devil what he wants to do is he wants to Make us question God. Hmm. He wants to make us question God's goodness and His um, sovereignty and His perfect—just Him being a perfect being. He, he wants us to question, uh, and I think here's the main thing: is that He wants to question. Does God really know what's best for us? And
2: I think He wants us to look at the the the, the zoomed in view too. He wants us to focus. You know, you really can't eat anything right now. Instead of seeing the bigger picture right. of you know God. Has pl- desires and plans for our goodness and our yeah. prosperity, and part of that is not eating from this in the moment, mm-hmm. but it allows us as a whole over time to yeah. to know Him better.
1: Because in essence, is, is eating a fruit bad? No. If you're listening, you probably ate a banana this morning, or <laughs> you, you know, you you probably ate a fruit. It, it wasn't.
0: Did you eat it with a peel on though?
1: Oh, we'll Willis. <laughs> no that's bad. <laughs> that part that, that <laughs> probably, that probably was out. the first sin. They didn't. Yeah. Un- yeah. No. <laughs> It um, <laughs> but, but, wasn't about the fruit, it's about how they ate it. Right. But the essence was, it, mean, it wasn't so much like the fruit, but, it, but it's what God said that you shall not eat of it. And what they did, that they rejected exactly what God said. Uh, and when it comes down to it, Adam and Eve did not believe God's intentions were best for them. Um They doubted him, and, and they strayed away. And so when the enemy comes at him, he's like, hey, look, the serpent's like, do you think God really... Like, you can eat of every other tree. Like, like. do you really think he's not going to let you eat of that fruit? Yeah. Um, and it's a de- deception. That's something that we still have to watch out uh, to this day.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and like you said, uh, it's, you know, Scripture tells us that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Uh, and then, of course, Jesus says, but I have come that you may have life and life to the fullest. And, and uh, just to echo kind of what you said, that, you know, that serpent, uh, the, Satan, the adversary, our enemy, his ultimate goal is for us to not be in paradise with God, I mean, like that's the ultimate goal, is to take as many little humans and make them suffer with him uh, as he can, and 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 to you know go against the authority of God and to uh, have us do the same. And he gets you know clearly loves that. I mean, clearly that's what he desires to do. By like Garrett said, kind of making us doubt. That might be the first step is is making us start to doubt. Well, you know, well why got, why can't I do that? What's wrong about that? You know, he created that. Whatever, uh, and I like the uh, C.S. Lewis, the Screwtape Letters. Um, it took me like two. One years of the to best books ever. Yeah, it took me forever to read that. Just because, I mean, I'd read it like two chapters yeah. and then like not read it De- for two weeks. Definitely
1: and, my favorite C.S. Lewis book.
2: It's pretty you incredible. Like it better than mere Christianity. Yes, I. What loved about what? Um, uh, great divorce.
1: Yeah, I loved it. Wait, really? Like, yes. I just thought it was so creative. It's, it's good.
2: It is really fascinating. But it, I just got to read the great. Yeah. I mean, Great divorce.
1: I've read. Yeah, the Great divorce was. Um, I had to go back and read that. I did not understand it the first time I read it through. Um, yeah, I mean, it through it the college. only
2: thing about the Great divorce is it. Um, uh, C.S. Lewis is a little bit of a universalist. Yeah. And I don't, theologically speaking, and biblically speaking, I don't agree with that. Yeah. I wouldn't say he's a staunch universalist, but. Yeah. Um. You know. It kind of speaks to the fact that he thinks that you can be removed from hell and yeah. enter into heaven. And mm-hmm.
0: but this, like C.S. Lewis, is like a lot of his theory and and based on e- evidence we see in Scripture um, about how Satan would work through his minions and humans. Uh, and it's pretty fascinating just to hear yeah. that perspective and to see how maybe the strategy might go. And there's a lot. There's a lot of stuff that I've experienced with with temptation and things like that then I'm like oh my gosh that's like Hmm. I mean I don't I mean that's like spot on like it's it's pretty wild just to hear um, kind of the it's you know the whole the whole story of the screw tape letters
2: is you know it's it's important too to look at this from you know current culture in the sense that how often do we say or in, in the world today you know we're advocating for sin because well it's an individual decision you know Mm -hmm. How does watching porn affect anyone else around you? How does um, gluttony affect anyone else around you? And and it's all about, you know, if it's your individual desire and it doesn't hurt anyone else, then go ahead and do it. That's the culture that we live in that speaks to that. And it's kind of going to this sense of what the serpent is saying in that, you know, you really think this is going to affect God? You really think this is going to, to affect anyone other than yourself? You know, it's just a fruit. Um, and, and, and he really attacks the individual desire. Because he, I, I think the reason why we look at like murder or um, thievery or adultery, and we put them as the pinnacle sins it's because someone else gets hurt when that happens. You know, you commit adultery with someone's spouse, you've just hurt a family. You murder someone, I mean you've literally killed someone. You you steal from someone, you are taking away someone's livelihood. So you're hurting someone else in that sin. But when it's individual, you know, well, yeah, this is my freedom to do.
1: They would they would have never here's the issue, Adam even never would have intended because they weren't thinking in the moment that that decision yeah. would have changed everything. No,
2: no, they wouldn't. That that was the point. Is 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 um, Satan says, "No, you will not certainly die." He said to the serpent. In fact, God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. He's he's hitting this point of it's just going to affect you. And and it's not even really going to affect God any. It's not going to affect your offspring any. It's not going to affect anyone else. It's just, it's an individual decision. God told you not to do it, but you know what? It's it's up to you. Yeah. And he's playing on that individual freedom and completely diminishes what sin really is. And, and then, and then of, separating us from and God. And then in
1: verse 6, he, it becomes a prideful decision. Uh, and, and it becomes a prideful decision when he says this. He says, look... You will be like God, knowing good and evil. And, and so, as Eve's listening, what does it say in verse six? So when this woman saw that the tree was one, she saw it was good for food. Uh, you think of the lust of the eyes, like like she sees that that oh my gosh, this looks good to eat. Uh, and then it says, and that it was a delight to her eyes. And uh, then and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. And she wanted. There's this pride within Eve that that she wanted to be like. God she wanted this wisdom that that she believed that the devil convinced her she did not have uh and she truly wanted it for for not for Adam but but for self. Uh and this is I believe pride is the root of pretty much every sin is that it's something that we want. Yeah. Uh, and Eve she desperately desired this this wisdom that the serpent promised.
0: Yeah, and I think Satan, you know, the adversary often there's often truth to his temptations. Um, there's uh, often, he wasn't lying when he said yeah, your eyes would I mean, be open. He said yeah. you're going to know the difference. You'll know. You'll be like God. You'll know knowledge good. Of, you know knowledge. And, you'll have the knowledge of good and evil. But he like, omits and and which is true because they didn't know. They they actually didn't really know what good was because they didn't have evil to compare it to. They mm-hmm. just knew this is what they have. And they definitely yeah. didn't know evil. They're walking with God in the garden. There right. was no evil. And so you know he's like, but you now, but you'll be like God. And the way he says that, it sounds like you're going to gain power. Rather, they, they lose the power that they had, which was the, their connection to God. Well, think
2: how, how much that happens just in, in, in this individual style of sin. You know, like I said, in corporate sin, adultery, murder, stuff like that, you know the consequence of it beforehand. I mean, yeah. you, you can see it. But when it's something individual, you, you get lost in the moment. Gluttony, you know, for example, oh man, I, that just is so good, and I really want to try everything here at the table, and I want to eat and eat and eat and eat. But you don't. Look, you, know, you, know, you, you understand that what's true is that it's going to taste good, you're going to feel good, you're going to be satisfied with yourself, but you don't look at the long-term effect of engaging in that sort of yeah. sin. And, and, and that's what Satan is best at, is drawing us into the here and now yeah. and, and convincing us that the here and now is what is most important.
0: Yeah, and so, you know, as we kind of go through three, and I want to get to kind of the terms of the fall, like what happens because of that. But So basically, just to summarize the first little bit like we've done, God says, there's one tree you can't eat from. There's the only tree the rest of the garden is fair game. The only rule you have is don't eat from this tree, or you will surely die. And, of course, he didn't mean a physical death. He meant a spiritual, a disconnect from God kind of death. And Satan was saying, the serpent was saying, Well, surely you're not going to die. And he was speaking of a physical death. I was like, well, no, you're not going to physically die. He was disregarding the other part of that, the more important part. And so eventually, you know, obviously say uh, the serpent tempts them, and and then they eat from it. Eve eats from it first and then gives it to Adam and, you know, says eat from this. And then Scripture says that their eyes were opened. Both of them their eyes were opened. They realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. And so God comes in and, and says, you know, where are you hiding? Um, says I heard him in the garden and and they uh, they said um, I heard your garden i was I was afraid because I was naked so I hid and this is where God well, that, responds I think there's
2: an interesting point that we gotta say there you know. Immediately, their eyes were open, and they knew they were inadequate. They didn't deserve this goodness that God had gave them. They didn't deserve to be in God's presence. They covered themselves with inadequate coverings. You know, they used fig leaves, and and God eventually slaughters an animal, the first sacrifice, in order to make atonement. You know, in order to cover them. Um, We get to that in a second. But at this moment, they're hiding from God. Now they've spent all this time with God. Who knows exactly how long. But you think in all of that time, after witnessing God's creation, they really thought that they were going to be able to hide from God. I mean, it was just instinctual. They knew they were inadequate, so they hid from God. But what's amazing to me is what does God do? What does he say? Where are you? As if he doesn't know. He seeks them out. You know, he's giving them the opportunity. He says, he doesn't just simply, all of a sudden they sin, he like comes down like Thor in the, yeah. in the movie from the bridge and just, you know, <laughs> spoof, right there in front of him. He walks around knowing that they're hiding, knowing that they've now become inadequate, and he's seeking them. And and I think that's a, a really um, interesting point to be made, that, that God seeks after us in our sin. He doesn't instantly just come to us and... and Pour out his wrath upon us. Yeah, and so they
0: they have that interaction, and and uh, you know God basically says, "What you know? Who told you that you're naked? Did not command you not to eat from that tree? What happened?" Uh, and the man <laughs> the man said, "The woman you put put here with me. She gave me some of the fruit from the tree, and I ate it." Um, love the passing on of of blame there. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, I didn't do it, God. <laughs> Way to be just, a man, Adam. I mean, she gave it to me first, <laughs> you know, yeah. and then the woman. Then the Lord said to the woman, what have you done? And then the woman says, well, the serpent deceived me, and I... I just yep. keep on... It's a classic, and, and we do that now. I mean, it's a classic passing yeah. off of blame instead of, you know, I mean, David does it with, with his sins. He he tries to justify why he yeah. did it or what purpose, you know, what purpose it, it was done for, but ultimately until we... And then David with uh, Nathaniel, I think, with the prophet telling him the story and, and David just going, "Oh, you know, this whoever this guy is needs to be killed and yep. nathaniel's like well that's you david and he's like oh yep and then there's a, an owning of what he's done and a a real repentance but often we do have that well i didn't you know i wouldn't i wasn't trying to hurt their feelings you know, i wasn't trying to you know i right. just there's was trying a, to make a joke there's always know? some kind of excuse yeah there's always a justification or an excuse or passing off of blame so then this is the this is the punishment the god god first says to the serpent because you have done this Cursed are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. We'll get to that here. We'll come back to that. To the woman, he said, I will greatly increase your pain. So this is to, to the woman. I will greatly increase your pains in childbearing. With pain, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. So to the female, that was their uh, punishment. To Adam, he said, Because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat of it. All the days of your life, it will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the fields. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. Adam named his wife Eve, because she would become the mother of all the living. And we'll get to the last little part afterwards. I know Garrett would like to get back to... Uh, verse 21. Though. Verse...
2: Yeah. What? Oh, are you talking Verse about, 15 as yeah. well. Yeah. Well, so that's... Verse 15 is, is the first mention of Christ. What is that you know? called? Proto-Evangelion. Even, okay. There you go. Um... I know you wanted to say it, but well, you're like, gonna keep yourself upset I've, I've it. at it all.
1: Can you say it? Long. Is it gellium or gelium? Can you say it even so uh,
2: it's technic so the English pronunciation would be evangelium. Um, Jelly. Um, but it's based off of the Greek word euangelion, which oh, yeah. is good news <clears throat> or euangelios. Um, true. And I hadn't thought about that. So it's the first good news. Is, is what it means. Is that before or after zeta and theta <laughs> and beta? I don't even know how to respond to that. But. Is there <laughs> delta in
0: that too or just gamma? <laughs> but he's
1: throwing out every Greek letter, you know? I'm, I'm just not. thinking of s- the part, so, <laughs> 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 so we had brought up that, you know, Garrett had said God come and found Adam and Eve. So, so even in their sin and they have... Disobey them. God is coming near to them. And even in the midst of their punishment that we see here. So, for example, the pain that's going to come and the toil that's going to have to come for humans, for the rest of humanity until Christ comes back. There's a lot of bad news here, and it sounds terrible. And in reality, it is terrible. The things, the punishment for their sin um, is bad, and it affects every human, uh, even up till today. We still have this effect. We still have this this pain. We still have this toil. Can in our, confirm in our work. It, Micah can confirm he was in the hospital. Christian room. will be able to confirm. Yeah, give so. me a few days, and I will go back to this passage. Uh, but even in the midst of that, we see in verse fifteen the first mention of Jesus Christ, uh, that not by name. Not yeah, not by name, <laughs> Jesus Christo. Um, but we do see a foreshadowing of what is to come. In yeah. uh, the beauty of Jesus, uh, as we see in verse fifteen,
2: the better word is is hostility, not you know enmity. Is not is probably the the archaic word, but that yeah. verse fifteen, I will put hostility. Yeah, like I, I'm putting a an op, a, a a conflict. I'm putting a a dispute between you, Satan, and the woman, between her offspring and your offspring, he is going to strike your head, and you'll strike his heel. So there's going to be this, now this spiritual battle that is taking place, and Jesus, the offspring of the woman, is going to have the eventual victory by crushing the serpent's head, but that doesn't mean that, that the serpent won't have his day as well, that that there will be a um, a, a reckoning as well, and and this ties into Revelation, Revelation, um, in Revelation chapter twelve, there's a uh, what I call like the the symbolic recap of history. Um, and ver- chapter twelve, it, it says a great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and the crown of twelve stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in labor and agony as she was about to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven, you know, in that, that agony is, is alluding back to the curse that was upon at this time. Then another sign appeared in heaven. There was a great fiery red dragon, and, and that, that word for dragon can, can also kind of connect to the word for serpent in, in Genesis 3. Having seven heads and ten horns, and on its heads were seven crowns. Its tail swept away a third of the stars in heaven and hurled them to earth. And the dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she did give birth, it might devour her child. She gave birth to a son, a male who is going to rule all the nations with an iron rod. Her child was caught up to God and to his throne. And, and it goes on, and, and this war is now taking place between the dragon and the son, and eventually, you know, the son being Christ, comes and conquers the dragon. But Revelation takes this passage in Genesis 3 and gives it this this spiritual um idealist meaning of this is jesus that god is referencing here in chapter three and 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 jesus is the one that's going to fight the dragon going to fight the serpent and and have victory over it all but what's amazing is that as soon as humanity was separated from god god is saying i got a plan yep no it seems Life's going to suck for a while. It, it is. Rough. Yep. It seems It's going to seem like I'm not there because, yep. you know, you're going to eat bread by the sweat of your brow and, and yep. labor is <clears> going <throat> to happen painfully. Thorns and thistles are going to be produced for you. But I have a plan. Yep. And, 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 and even
1: and we see this even through Scripture, like think the story of David and Goliath. Like David and Goliath is a reference of, of Genesis 3:15 when when David is going against the great giant uh, of the Philistines and, and what does he do? He's coming to attack God's people and David, a descendant or the um, J- Jesus is a descendant of David. What does David do? He cuts off the head of Goliath and, and we see the same instance there. Where where it talks about you shall uh, bruise his head, uh, and it's a foreshadowing too up there in the story of David of what's to come of Christ yeah. and what he's going to do to the enemy.
2: So just like from a curiosity standpoint, what do you think the serpent was like before it started? Feet. Yeah, you think it was? I was, was going to be what I, I think it was, was a komodo like, dragon.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think it, I think it was a dragon. <laughs>
2: I mean, <laughs> hey, I think it. It was it was what was the the dragon in Milan the the red like, yeah, little yeah well, that's what I kind of picture that's yeah like I've never watched think,
1: Milan but that's kind of what I picture. Is, is
0: Jesus uh, God said he'll crawl on his belly. Do you think it was just a normal snake but just crawled on its back? Dude, I've heard that before. <laughs> like that. Oh, no, oh no, no, I haven't heard that. No, I take that back. The feet, I've said. heard the feet before. Like, do you think it had feet? Yep. Because mm-hmm. it, now it crawls on its belly. Before did it walk?
1: I, I've even heard that snakes. I don't think this is true, and it could be. I could be wrong. Did they fly? But I heard that snakes have, like, a bone uh, or something in their body where it looks like years, years, hundreds, of hundreds, of thousands, of years, whatever, whether you're old or the new earth, that where legs could be. I don't know if that's true. It's something, if you're listening, you, you need to look up. Uh, don't quote me on that. But I've heard that argued before, and that being a reference to Genesis. Like I said, yeah. I don't know if it's true. I don't believe that, but I've heard it something like
0: Maybe just, like, like that. the back 10% of it acted like a foot. Like it just, like, yeah. it was upright. <laughs> I just— like the Can you imagine snakes if they were upright? Oh. How much scarier they'd be? If they
1: stood on two feet, walked around like a Tyrannosaurus Rex. Bro,
0: like
2: a dog put it on yeah. a leash. <laughs> I just like oh. the idea of um had, Mushu the dragon yeah. being the serpent from <laughs> the garden.
0: <Yeah. laughs> but uh, I'm with you on that. I think it I don't know. I don't know if I don't know Hebrew or Greek, so I don't know what the translation looks like, but I'm I don't know if we have an explanation for what it looked like before that, but
1: it could have been that yeah. scary because all we know—the important
0: part—is something changed. Yeah. Um, because, well, I mean, as far as you're about to say, it couldn't be that scary because it approached them and they didn't freak out. Yeah. Which there's no evil. There was, no, well, evil in the there was no evil, so there was nothing to <laughs> be yeah. scared of, you know. Um, but then, as uh, chapter three kind of closes. Um, the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. The Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. After he drove the man out, he placed uh, on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. So, um, of course, we get there now the kind of the first sacrifice that, um, in order. Uh, God's wrath has to be taken out on sin. Uh, that would be here through sacrifice in the Old Testament. We see it's through sacrifices, and ultimately it's through the perfect lamb, uh, the sacrifice of Jesus. But some interesting thoughts uh, from the uh, Enduring Word Bible Commentary uh, segment here. Um, <laughs> the free version online, uh, mm-hmm. you can see it at EnduringWord.com. That's uh, good, good stuff. There's not a, a guy named. There's a guy named, yeah, not a sponsor, but we're open to it. There's a guy named Barnhouse. I don't know who it is, but he comments <gasps> oh, on it. Geez. Do you have that
2: too? No, it's just a, you're referencing Barnhouse and you don't know who he is. Should I know who he is? I mean, he's just a scholar.
1: Do you know Barnhouse?
0: I don't know oh, him, okay. but... Like. So there's a guy named Barnhouse that's a scholar. I mean, I could have guessed he was a scholar or theologian. He's quoted in the Enduring Word Bible Commentary. Uh, Jim Barnhouse, I don't know his first name. Any angel of the lowest rank could have dealt with Adam. The flaming sword was pointed against Satan to keep him from destroying the way of access to the altar which God had set up. So there's the kind of the indication that because man was driven out of this, their connection to God was through the garden, and because now that they're gone this was still kind of like an access point to God. They couldn't necessarily eat from the tree of life, but this was their access point to God. Um, And then it's interesting, I never really, I guess, thought about where the Garden of Eden went or what happened to it. Um, But there's speculation that God didn't destroy it, but just put the effects of the curse also on it. And it just kind of eventually blended into the rest of the geographical land. And so that, you know, the Garden of Eden was... You know, I don't know how that would work with it being guarded. Um, and does at some point they just well, like yeah, stop I mean, guarding? The flood it? would have covered, yeah. it and
2: destroyed it all. Yeah. Um, but we
0: just don't get any other indication about the Garden of Eden from here on out, except so.
2: for and the new creation. Well, brought I'm, back. I'm saying the current one, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. Bef-
0: until the flood, we don't get like
2: a and the Garden of Eden was wiped out by the flood. Like we don't get a well. And there's there's two theories. I think we said did we say this last week? Of where the garden was located, barely. Yeah, we, yeah, we so talked about, about it. Week. Week. Depends on how you're yeah. you translate the. I
0: personally think it's in Washington D.C.,
1: but that's just me.
2: <laughs> okay, <laughs> I don't even know how to dignify that with a response.
1: All right, we're taking a trip to D.C. <laughs> I,
2: I um, I think it's at the Hudson River. I think it's at the it's up in New York. I took. I did a lot of research on it a while back, just because of that. Fiction book that I was working on, and I took the stance that it was in modern day Kuwait. But to be honest with you, I can't. I can't rem- remember why I took that stance. Just in reading the Hebrew, it sounded more to me that that the phrase for headwaters is pointing more towards a coming to a head, uh, meaning not beginning from one spot. Mm-hmm. Understanding. Yeah.
1: So in chapter three, we see the pivotal moment of. Uh, sin entering the world, but God still one. He ha- he has a plan all along, and he's showing the future of what's going to happen. But he also he is there with Adam and Eve. He clothes them. Uh, we see, and
2: he... I and I want to mention that too in verse twenty one, yeah, where it says the Lord made clothing from skins for the man. That that's the first sacrifice. Like up until right. to that point, what they clothed themselves was with fig, fig leaves, and it's a way of showing that you know human understanding of. Of inadequacy, we weren't able to adequately cover ourselves, and so God had to give us the way to make atonement for ourselves yeah. through, you know, these animal sacrifices and clothing ourselves with 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 that. Um, but even that eventually would become inadequate. And what that's we a see really later, important verse.
1: And what we see later in Leviticus, because of the shedding of blood, there is forgiveness of sins, and um, th- this is the first step that that we see in that. Now, going on to chapter four, we see all this. God shows his great love and mercy even to mankind, especially what we see there in verse 15 and 21. But now going into chapter 4, we mentioned earlier about the evil in men's heart. It does not take long for things to escal- escalate, escalate even more. Uh, so we go from, oh, it's just a fruit that you can eat from, to all of a sudden, old oh, buddy kills his murder. brother. <laughs> oh, we got a first murder mystery. Over, I mean... I don't know how many years. Yeah, Yeah. I mean,
0: like, I mean, obviously it's jealousy, pride, again, Christian. Yep. But, like, over seemingly something like, dang, man, like, you could have just, like, you know, broke his knee or something for this. You know, like, you didn't have to just straight up murder the dude. Or
1: simply, like, like, so check this out. So Cain offers a sacrifice to God, and Abel does. God accepts Abel's sacrifice, and and here's the reason um, God doesn't accept Cain. He tells him, he says, Cain, in verse 6, he says, Bro, why are you angry and why, had, why you look so sad? Verse 7, he says, If you do well, will you not be accepted? So obviously, Cain's sacrifice, uh, I, I, we don't know the logistics or the details of it, uh, if he just sloppily put it together or did not give his best. Yeah, it so, says in verse so what 3 that just,
2: are you reading out of when it says, bro, if you do well, oh, yeah, where so God says gen, bro? That's the Gen Z. This is the Gen um, Z, yeah, yeah. But in, in verse 3, it says— I just, I like picturing God
1: looking yeah, at it, bro. Bro, come on. Bro.
0: In verse 3, it, it says Cain brought some of, of the fruits— um, some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord, but Abel brought uh, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. So well, it the ties difference
2: there, a little bit to like acts with and and Sapphira and, yeah. withholding yep. what yeah. we're meant to be giving to God. Uh, right.
0: uh, and so yeah, there's some clear dishonesty yeah. there. And you know, obviously so was like Cain, said, Cain was he greedy. Was God's he, like, good job, Abel. You and a boy, you crushed it, bro. And then Cain, he's like, I mean. Could you have done worse? <laughs> right. And so Cain obviously is jealous of that. And I think pride is a big piece of that. Cain wanting that. Um, good job, bro. <laughs> Pat on the back from God and uh, <laughs> not star. getting it. And then like you said, you know, Christian, as you were saying, if you would have just given me the, like, it's nothing to do with Abel. It's just you yeah. just didn't give me Yeah, And, and God wa- God
1: wanted Cain to do good. like, And we'll see that at the end where he protects him. But also, like, in verse 7, he says, sin's desire is for you. But you must rule over it, like he wants. Yeah. He wants Cain to, to rule over his. Sin. Like he wants him to be able to stay away from from sinful full nature. Uh, it's not like he's just trying to pick on Cain here. Uh, he really wants him to do good. But then all of a sudden, for some reason, well, we know the reason. It's because the sin that's in Cain's heart. Yeah. He decides just to go all out. Yeah. And I mean, whack his brother.
0: He's like, "Come on, Abel, let's go out here and <laughs> murder." Um. Yeah, and then you see kind of the the curse of Cain um, is you know kind of driven away. Said it's you know yeah. your life is going to be miserable. Like working the soil is going to be much harder now. Like, and then also says, but I'm not going to let you get killed because yeah. you're going to live a life of misery because of what you've done against me and against my name. Uh, and then you kind of see the next uh, several verses. You know, Cain's like, my punishment is more than I can bear. You're driving me from the land. I'm going to be hidden from your presence. I'll be a restless wanderer, and whoever finds me will kill me. And that's where God's like, nope, if anyone kills Cain, he will suffer vengeance seven times over. So he put a mark on him so people would know who he was and wouldn't kill him. And so he's like, I mean, you, like, I can't even bear this. Like Whoever's going to find me is just going to kill me, and that would be probably merciful in yeah. Cain's eyes. But God's like, nah, it's going to be bad. Yeah. Uh, and then you kind of see the line of Cain. Uh, you
2: just see... Um, well, it's important with the line of Cain, where it says Cain was intimate with his wife and conceived and gave birth to mean? Enoch. <laughs> like Not going her. into the birds. The <laughs> Where's the stork? <laughs> <laughs> then, then Cain became. The What's she see? Garrett's face. On? <laughs> <laughs> then Cain became the builder of a city, and he named the city Enoch after his son. That's an important point of of emphasis because you, you this is the beginning of a. A trend in Genesis where cities are places of evil. Um, the unrighteous gather in cities. Uh, the the That's why Noah we'll the was ra- outside of of cities where the unrighteous were. the The Tower of Babel. It's not just the Tower of Babel that gets destroyed. It's the city, the Babylon, mm-hmm. that that gets destroyed. Sodom and Gomorrah. This is you know cities all throughout Genesis and throughout the historical. Um, narratives of Israel, this is where contentious and evil activities take place, and Cain being kind of the first blatantly evil act, is now founding places where these evil acts take place. And and Not to say that, you know, every city is an evil place, but uh, analogically speaking, God is saying that not only does Cain bring this um, level of evil into the world through this action, but he's founding it among the hearts of human people. Um, yeah, going forward. And,
0: and then we see um, Adam lay with his wife again, and she gave birth to a son and named him Seth. And um, it says, God has granted me another son in place of Abel since Cain killed him. Seth had a son later, named him Enosh. And at that time, men began to call on the name of the Lord. And that leads us into chapter 5, where we see a genealogy. And, and for most people, genealogies are like, oh my goodness, this guy had this guy, this guy had this one, and then so on and so on. Um, but there's an importance to genealogies um, for a couple uh, reasons. Um, and genealogies are important. We see the 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 one, the process of who is who. I mean, family ties are, are important when we're looking at Scripture. Um, but you also get uh, some time, some information of time, uh, how much time has passed. And you see the old hag, Methuselah, 969 years, record breaker.
2: <laughs> there's, I mean, there's a lot that happens in genealogies, and, and there's different, you know, genealogies point us to, to time, like you said, but they also point us... To just the little pieces of information of how you know they've up been uh, parents have helped their t- children grow in their ways and 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 so on and so forth. Um, there's like little anecdotes within um, within genealogies. Look at Enoch. Um, so Enoch's life lasted 3 365 years. Enoch walked with God, and then he wasn't there because God took him. You know, that's a, a significant yeah. statement and it's just kind of brushed over in the genealogy. Well, Enoch uh, walked with God and then he was gone. Methuselah and it just moves right yeah. directly on next. to the next line. You're like, "Wait, what? Wait a second. This guy walked with God and then just wasn't there." There's there's a lot of stuff that happens within a genealogy. And and it's and it shows us that, you know, we're giving all these names and years and times, but these are people that lived lives, that raised children, that organized cities, that, that walked with God, and and they're not insignificant and i think a lot of times we just brush over them and move on to the next point but there it's meant to show us that there are periods of history where you know people are growing in relationship with god and they're growing in opposition to god mm. and and there's just reading a genealogy in and of itself you learn that but then genealogies also separate parts of the overall narrative so in 1 through in chapters 1 through 4 before this genealogy you have a uh, an overview of God creating and of humanity disordering that creation with evil. And then you have this first genealogy. Hmm. And now the next part is humanity has brought this disorder to a a climax Hmm. and God is going to have to recreate. And then you have another genealogy. And and so these genealogies, they, they separate parts of the narrative as well, but there's also information to be found within them. Yeah. And, you know, the
0: information kind of ends in chapter 5 with Noah. Uh, Noah means, uh, as best as uh, sounds like, the Hebrew word for comfort. Uh, And that's what uh, Lamech um, says. He will comfort us in the labor and painful toil of our hands caused by the ground the Lord has cursed. And so Noah's kind of uh, blessing of his life was that he would be a comforter. Uh, Which is interesting because he's really not a comforter to anyone except his family. Uh, I mean, all of, obviously, creation, but... Uh, there's, we'll see as we get into the flood account, the, um, the hatred that the people of the time had for Noah that thought that he was just a big, dumb, stupid head <laughs> and, uh, that he didn't bring comfort to any of those people. Um, conspiracy theory. Right. So and the first, conspiracy, the first conspiracy, conspiracy theory. There you go. Um, that'll be next week's <laughs> episode there. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean it's like with here's his it. uh, rock statues, you know,
2: from the Noah movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, that's a pretty wild movie. Uh, just got to watch that as a movie, not so much. Uh, <laughs> well, they—they they, I mean there's some... they
2: borrow extra biblical sources like Mesopotamian right. epics and stuff, yeah. and it's not meant to be. I wouldn't watch that's it as a I Bible study. Tell. Well, that's what I always tell people. It's a movie. You know, I went and saw. It. We went and saw it. Were you there when we went and saw it uh, with I think all the Johnson it at my people, parents' house? Well, we went with a bunch of people from Johnson, um, and. They were all, like, you know, Christians and Bible students, and they went to go watch a Bible movie. One of them, I think, was Barnhouse, if I remember yeah, right. probably. And a lot of them, a couple of them walked out, and they're like, this has nothing to do with Scripture. And I was like, it's not supposed to. I don't to. think they <laughs> advertised it as Yeah, it's, a, it's just a story but, of Noah, and it borrows from, you know, Epic of Gilgamesh right. and other epics that even mention Noah. Yeah. So. I mean,
0: the greatest Noah is the Evan Almighty, so yeah. uh, that's no, a great, I mean. accurate, biblical <laughs> account of, of Noah. Um. So, that was sarcasm for those at home. If you did not get that, just understand. <laughs> I mean, they're like, this dude is talking about the Bible and thinks heaven almighty is biblical. Uh, but anyway, so, yeah, that's uh, the chapters 3 through 5. And and obviously, this the genealogy leads us to Noah, and that's where we pick up in chapter 6 uh, in the flood account. We'll get to that um, next week. And just uh, looking forward to that. It's pretty interesting, and we get some, some Nephilim and some stuff like that that we'll get into. So, uh, looking forward to that. Uh, conversation and uh, chapter six and I believe we get into seven as well so um, I guess even eight right We we'll go with all the way through eight so yeah looking forward to it. Um, hey thanks for being here with us today thanks for listening uh, we appreciate uh, the res- the responses and the support and the uh, downloads and just uh, hopefully you learn uh, as we do along the way. Uh, especially me i never know anything about the topics i just kind of hear and just kind of add on if i can and, and learn as i well, go you so, use the enduring word by yeah I'm, right shout now. out to enduring word i might have to hit him up with a podcast episode and be like hey you ever get advertisements like this um but yeah it's neither here nor there uh it's over there so we're looking forward to next week leave us a review let us know how we're doing you can be honest if it's a one-star podcast. You can be honest with us. That that will let us know what we're doing, and then we'll kick Garrett off, uh, and and make adjustments. So um, make sure in your review you let us know what you think. The idea of a serpent, the serpent was before the fall. Did was he have, it Mushu? Yeah, was it Mushu? Did he breathe a little fire and <laughs> cough fire, or did he would uh, slither on his back, or did he slither on the last like on his tail and just kind of like stand upright, or do he have feet? So just let us know what you think. Uh, and as always, uh, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, and just uh, let us know uh, what you would like for us to talk about in the near future. I'll pray us out.
2: Okay. Let's
0: pray. God, we love you and we thank you. Thank you for uh, this time we can spend together uh, as followers of, of you, God, and just trying to um, uh, learn and uh, discuss and just look at your word, God, and the truths that you have uh, given us through your word. I pray that we would take them, God, and not just read them and know them, but apply them to our lives um, where we can and just where you are showing us to do so. Just pray that you would help us to live out your word each and every day and imitate you in everything we do. We love you. We thank you. In your name we pray. Amen.